Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Some kids really do seem to be born a cut above the rest of us. Don't they? It's kind of like they just popped out of the womb, ready to charge, wild-eyed and intense and burning down the house. I just want to let you know this is not a video of Jesus. But we think it's a video of John the Baptist (laughs) at six years old. He was a bit of a wild man. We know this from the scripture, but he seems to be growing up quite nicely out there in the wilderness. Oh my goodness. Just look at him. Nobody is taking this kid's lunch money. (laughs) And when he offered to start a baptism class, I'm sure he had lots of signups. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Lots of times. Well, if you want to grow up like John, you're going to have to take another master class. Yeah. We're not in that master class today. Are you thankful? Okay. (laughs) For the rest of us, welcome to part two of Growing Up Like Jesus, where we're taking a look at how Jesus grew up and with the intent that we grow up just like him. Listen, I know, I know what a lot of us think. We kind of think of Jesus growing up and then we get a little intimidated, right? Do you get a little intimidated? You kind of think Jesus actually did pop out of Mary, fully formed, fully developed, kind of quoting the Bible, you know, as she's changing his diaper, (laughs) juggling plates or whatever it is, without really much left to do by way of development or, or growth, But that's actually not true. We're told that Jesus grew up, that the Messiah matured. We're told that the Son of God developed. And so when we read in Luke 2.52 that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and favor with all the people, our ears kind of perk up. For many people, this might seem like just a simple description of boy Jesus becoming man Jesus, but for eager apprentices of Jesus, this strikes us as way more than just a simple description. This statement actually marks out a pattern of growth. And these four areas form a framework, a helpful framework, through which we can chart and measure our own growth. Because we look to Jesus as our ideal and we want to grow in the same ways that he grew. We want to grow in wisdom. We want to grow in stature. We want to grow in favor with God. We want to grow in favor with others. Because as apprentices of Jesus, that's the word we're using this year to kind of frame our conversation and our master class in Luke. As apprentices of Jesus, we have a bias toward action. 
We're soaking up this master class in Luke's gospel so we can put into practice what we're learning. And as we do, we will discover that we are able to follow Jesus with more confidence, more joy, more proficiency. And so, hearing Luke's description here of Jesus' growth, we've been asking this practical question. How can I imitate Jesus' growth in my growth? How can I imitate Jesus' growth in my growth? Last week we got started on this. We had a great time exploring how Jesus grew in wisdom. And we saw how his growing wisdom was directly proportional to his growing knowledge of God through the scriptures. And so in response to that, to seeing how Jesus grew in wisdom, we explored ways that we can become more immersed in scripture like Jesus so that we are growing in wisdom like Jesus. And if you missed that message, I appeal to you. Do yourself a favor and go watch it or listen to it. It's available on our website. It's available on YouTube. It's available on Apple Podcasts, really, truly. Go and find it. All these four weeks as we explore this, they'll all be tied together as we particularly explore Jesus' growth and our growth out of Luke 2.52. So today we're into the second way that Jesus grew up. Jesus grew in stature. What is stature? It's physicality, right? It's height, broadness, strength, health, shape. You know, Jesus was once this tall. And he was this tall. And before you knew it, Jesus had elders who were saying to him, my, how you've grown. Right? <laughs> you think Mary and Joseph had a measuring board in their kitchen? Line up, Jesus. We're going to notch another one. Oh, sorry, James. No, you just aren't as tall as Jesus was at seven. Sorry. But what do you expect? You know, <laughs> all the younger siblings. Every year. (laughs) This simple description tells us that Jesus, the truest human being, the truest person, experienced the same kind of bodily transformation that we all experienced, that Jesus lived a fully embodied flesh and blood human life. And so... uh, I'd like us to crowdsource a little bit together today and ask the question, how did Jesus grow in stature? What contributed to his growth in stature? I invite you to shout them out. I'll repeat them for everyone who is with us online. How did Jesus grow in stature? Tell me. Yeah, I'm asking, how did he grow physically? How did he grow physically? In stature. He ate. Thank you. He ate good food. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. So time, as in each day, he was growing. Right. What else? How did he grow in stature? Good sleep. Oh, man. He was what? He was put to work. Yeah. 
I'd want him on my work crew. Jesus, you take that end and the seven of us over, you know. Kidding. He was active. Thank you. Yeah. What else? He walked a lot. Yeah, everybody seemed to walk a lot those days. He walked a lot. What else? Yes, he worked with his father. Um, and we often think of, of um, Joseph as a carpenter, which, fair enough. But it's just as likely he was uh, working with stone as well, right? It's just as likely he was a home builder. So, yeah, this is hard physical labor. He worked with his dad. That's right. What else? Yes, he played and related with the kids. Thank you, Marg. He played with kids. I love it. Which is so much how, how kids develop and grow and get strong, right? What else did he do? How else did he grow in stature? Does that pretty much cover it? I'm getting the sense that you think it does. Okay, fine. Move on, Tom. Jesus grew strong through hard work, through healthy eating, through serving others, through walking around or hauling logs or placing stones right alongside the working men of his day as he grew up. Now, we don't often consider, just like reflectively consider the physicality of Jesus, do we? I don't don't think we do. I mean, I spent a lot of my time growing up thinking a lot about it. Did you? We actually often think of Jesus in another category of human. Do you notice how I just did that a moment ago when I joked about Jesus being on one end and all the... Notice how I slipped? Right there, I'm thinking of Jesus in another category of human, like he's like a Samson or something, right? Whoops. So, So that's common. I just did it right in front of you just to show you how easy it is to slip. Because if we aren't careful, we can be guilty, like heretics, both new and old, of thinking of Jesus as somehow more than human or less than human. Kind of thinking of him in these vague or ethereal terms or spiritual terms. We don't think of him as a sweaty young man with really stiff and sore muscles from all the hard work he just did. And maybe a cut healing on his hand from a bad splinter he got last week. We don't think about that. And this little remark about his growth in stature can act as a healthy corrective for us as we consider Jesus. Jesus grew up physically. And this matters to us theologically when we think about who is the person of Jesus. How is it that God became flesh and dwelled among us? What does that mean? But it also has practical implications for us as we consider how we follow Jesus now. Uh, One of my 2023 habits that I'm working to instill is the habit of a daily journal. And I have tried this before, friends, for years. Very hit and miss. Very. Mostly miss. 
but I'm trying. So I'm working on this this year. And so to help me solidify this habit, I'm reading a a book. I I think I've got a picture up here, a book called journaling as a spiritual practice, encountering God through attentive writing by Helen Sapiro, who's actually a fellow covenant pastor. Um, and so I'm reading this, kind of reading it along. It helps, you know, s- spark me. She's got prompts. It just encourages me to keep focus. Well, I was reading last week, and I came upon this from her, and so I want to read it to you because it relates so beautifully to what we're talking about today. I'm quoting her. She says, Sometimes the very word spiritual has made Christians believe that they can ascend to the realm of the Spirit, transcending the body. But... Both the Old and New Testaments insists that we cannot come to God and leave our bodies behind. It is part of our very creation as humans. For at our beginning, quote, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being, Genesis 2, 7. When we say we are human, we are speaking about being connected as bodies to this earth. Even the name of the first human being, Adam, claims this heritage of earth and dust and breath in the creation story. The Hebrew word Adamah literally means of dust from the ground. Lest we think this is just some Old Testament notion that is not relevant to New Testament believers, the Gospel of John insists that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. It is this flesh that we celebrate as Emmanuel, God with us, God in human flesh, born of a woman in the same messy, painful way we all were born. Unless we think that Jesus came to just lead us to some higher realm where we could forget our bodies, Jesus' own ministry seems to be so much about the body, healing and holding and touching, once even mixing his own spit with dirt to bring the miracle of sight to a man born blind. John chapter 9. All the Gospels insist that the Christian faith finds its most exquisite expression in the resurrection of the body. Jesus himself links his own wounded, crucified body with his resurrection body, sharing meals with the disciples so that they would know without a doubt that he was not an ethereal, ghostly sighting, but a bodily presence. What a beautiful quote from Helen. And a good reminder for us. Each year, Jesus grew stronger, taller, more able, more fit, as he matured into a fully developed, healthy man. And this signals for us something important, that our body's health, our physical fitness, our stature matters because our bodies matter. Jesus' body mattered. Jesus' growth mattered. Jesus stewarded his body as an act of faithful worship, eating properly, working hard, resting weekly, and understand this, he did not consider his growth in stature of something lesser important. To a true covenant Jew, steeped in the creation stories, to a fully taught Christian who understands and believes in the incarnation, our human bodies are the very location where the Spirit of God dwells. And they matter. They matter. Jesus knew his body was a temple. He said it was. And he treated it as such. And when it came time for him to launch into full-time ministry, his body was fit for the task. 
Again, not something we often really think about. But do you realize how physically demanding daily ministry was for Jesus? He kicks it all off with a 40-day fast, which is an incredibly physically taxing experience. And then, boom, we already mentioned it. All the walking, 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 and talking, 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 very long days, seemingly short nights. The demanding crowds, the wilderness wilderness forays with and without his disciples, the nighttime mountain walks for prayer to be with his father, the pressure to come and go, and then come and go some more. And then he's trying to hide away for a rest, but then he gets interrupted again and teaches all day and then has to feed them. As Helen Sapiro points out, so much of his ministry is focused even on the healing of physical bodies because people's whole health mattered to Jesus. And then, after three years of this ministry marathon, do not overlook the intense physicality of his unjust trial and excruciating crucifixion after having gone without sleep for well over 24 hours. Do you know how Many lesser men died at the scourging, died at the whipping post, but Jesus didn't. He endured. Could it be that his incredibly strong body had a role to play in getting him to the cross for us so that he could bear the weight of our sins on his strong Shoulders. Have you ever considered that? It was a new thought to me. Jesus grew in stature, and his strength and stature enabled him to pursue fully the business of his father. So, back to our practical question How can I imitate Jesus' growth in stature? That's the question I invite you to ask to pray. How can I imitate you, Jesus? And for some of us, this will be a new thought because it's easy for us to imagine growing in wisdom and growing in favor with God and growing in favor with people. But this statue thing kind of hangs out there as something odd for most of us because we haven't really thought about it in terms of our life with Jesus. And so I invite you to pray that question. How can I imitate Jesus in my growth physically? Well, as you consider that question, looping in last week, as people who are steeped in scripture, growing increasingly wise through the story of God, there will be some key things that will begin to fall into place. We'll recognize from the scriptures that the body, however frail, is a gift from God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We'll realize that this body is not some throwaway husk to be, uh, you know, discarded with disgust for this immortal soul that we have. That's nonsense. And it's not Christian. We are images of God who are living souls. We're the whole package. 
we'll also see through the scripture how this body was created by God and for God. And then our bodies are the very centers from which we worship and love and serve and give. The very center from which we are God's people together, both now and in resurrection life to come. We'll also see that though our bodies are radically affected by sin and brokenness, and some of us experience that far more than others, they are still a wonder and a grace from God. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 6, um, he was using them to apply to ways that people were abusing their bodies through sexual immorality in particular. But the truth he teaches about the body here applies more broadly. So hear this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. To be faithful to our creator, we must care for the body he's given to us for the glory of God. Which means that to imitate Jesus' growth and stature, we need to take seriously our own growth and health too. Well, what might this mean for us? Practically speaking, you probably already guessed it, didn't you? We need to steward this temple. We need to care for it. For the glory of God and in gratitude for his gift, we need to care for God's temple to the best of our ability through wise diet, through wise exercise, through wise sleep and wise living. And what's more, we don't just do it for ourselves. We not only want to steward God's temple well, We also don't want our ministry with Jesus to be hindered because we've been unfaithful stewards of our bodies. We all have limits. Of course we do. And some of us have struggled with fragile health and broken bodies far more than others, and the Lord knows that. But each one of us has the privilege and the responsibility to make the best stewardship Choices, the best health decisions that are available to us, and to do that for the glory of God and for the good of our neighbor. And so I'd like to ask you a few reflection questions. These might be questions you want to write down. There might be just one of them that strikes you as something you want to follow up on. But these are meant to just help us consider the ways in which God is calling us to steward our temple, to grow in stature like Jesus. Let me ask you this. How has your joy in the Lord been affected by your physical health? In particular, has your joy in the Lord been squelched due to bad health choices? You can narrow that frame right down to, yeah, when I got up in the morning, the joy of the Lord was not there because of what I ate the night before. Can we all just say we've experienced that? The joy of the Lord was fleeting in the middle of the night as my tummy was rumbling, you know. I should not have had ice cream. But more broadly speaking, how is our joy affected by that? For years, I can tell you, 
personal experience that my joy in the Lord and in life was diminished by my poor gut health, my obesity, my regular back pains. I could go on. And while I know that we are able to experience joy in the Lord, even when our bodies are suffering, thank you, Jesus, for giving us joy when our bodies are suffering. If you want to know more about that, I encourage you to talk. She's saying, don't point me out. The woman I'm married to. Uh, Others who have experienced suffering and have discovered in that that there is joy. That is true. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But in my life, much of the joy was sucked out because I had done things that contributed to bad health, my own poor choices. I have discovered that better health does contribute to more joy. Is there anyone who's experienced that in your life? Another question. What are you not able to do? Or might you not be able to do because you haven't been caring for your body properly? I'm talking about opportunities here. I'm talking about things that are coming in life. One of my Bible school teachers who I loved greatly realized through one of those sobering doctor's appointments that he would not see his kids graduate if he didn't start caring for God's temple properly. And so he started making daily health decisions, instilling regular, consistent habits that enabled him to shed the weight and see his kids graduate. And I remember coming by in the evening at this Bible school I went to and seeing him doing circles in the gym. This is in northern Alberta where you don't run outside nearly as much. And he was doing circles in his gym, and he was an awkward man at the best of times. And he was sweating off the pounds out of love for his kids. And he did see his kids graduate. So you might want to ask, what am I not able to do? Or what might I not be able to do if I continue to make choices that are hard on my health? Here's another one. I hope this is okay. I hope you're not, well, just listen to this one. How is your ministry with others being hindered by your current health? What might Jesus want you to do that you can't do because you haven't been stewarding your temple, his temple? How might your stewardship, your current stewardship, be helping or hindering your witness to Jesus? And then a real sobering add-on, and I don't add this on with relish. I add it because it's so challenging to me. Are you going to die earlier than you should have died and rob your family and your church of your presence and your wisdom right at that point in life where you actually have some to give (laughs) because you shortened your life with the way you've lived? It happens, you know, all the time. And I know, again, not, often not because of choices people made. There's bad things that happen. Our bodies break down. There's things. I get it. But let's be honest. There's plenty of times where that could have been prevented. Their lives could have been longer if they had only stewarded that temple more faithfully. But let me be clear. We're all going to die. We know that. And sometimes in spite of the best choices we make, we die earlier than expected. My Bible school professor, who I loved so dearly, who did his best to faithfully shed the weight and was there to see his kids graduate, 
died within five years of a terrible bone cancer. There is no guarantee of a long life. We can die earlier than we're expected. We can be struck with disease or disability that has nothing to do with our health health choices. We still live in a sinful world. We still live in broken bodies. But, my friends, the appeal of Scripture and the appeal that I want to give you you today is let that not be worse because we didn't care for the temple of God. There's also something else I want to say. I recognize even what we've talked about today, some of us have felt shame and guilt. And a lot of us can carry shame about our bodies because we were bullied, we were mocked, uh, we were sexually abused or physically abused, where our bodies have been something that have been a source of disgust for us, of hurt. Uh, where there's been choices made that have truly affected long history of abuse or, or, or addiction. A- and I get that. And I just want you to hear something really clearly. Today's teaching is not about heaping on more pressure or guilt or shame. That's not good news. Today's teaching is not about being fatophobic or body shaming. It's not about buying into the image-obsessed culture or some foolish standard of bodily perfection that we see plastered all around us. That is not what's going on here. No. The call for us as apprentices of Jesus to look at Jesus and then consider, how can I grow in stature? How can I nurture and protect and steward this temple of God is because your body actually matters. And so much of what you may have heard, so much of what you may have done, so much of what your culture around says is actually striking at the heart of that. It's, it's actually giving a lie and, and saying it doesn't matter and, 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 or, or it's all that matters or all these things. No, regardless of what others have told you, what you may have done or what choices you made yesterday, you actually matter, which includes your body. You matter. You are loved where you're at precisely. And to come from that center, in fact, to be immersed in the story of Scripture and growing in wisdom, much of what we have understood about ourselves about our identity, about what matters and how it matters and, and, and how we live in faith. All of that is going to be renewed from the inside out. And so many of us who carry shame and pain in our bodies or about our bodies, the good news of Jesus and following him is that he wants you to be free from that. He wants you to experience healing one step at a time. He wants you to experience joy in the wholeness of your life. He wants you to know that you are loved. And because you are loved, you're able to actually begin to experience healing, some of which Jesus wants to bring into your life through your active, obedient living. That there's things that Jesus wants you to experience as you grow and as you steward your body and as you pursue him that can only come because in the wisdom of Jesus, he knows that this is what matters, can only come as you partner with him and say yes to him and take the next step today to be faithful and follow him, knowing that you're loved. So there's a beautiful invitation here.
And I just want to name that bit about shame and guilt because I want you to be free of that, and so does Jesus, to receive this beautiful invitation. Wherever you are, Jesus loves you. And he's calling you to follow him. He's calling you to take that next step. And today, to take that next step to instill the kind of habits that will lead you to greater life. The kind of habits that will lead you to steward this body he's given you so that you can serve him and experience joy in life. Well, this past week, I was chatting online with a fellow covenant pastor, uh, Ben Emmons. And in our little chat, uh, he shared a video, a short video that he made with me. And I thought it captured perfectly what we're looking at today. I asked him if he could share it. He said, please go ahead. And so take a look at this video. Be inspired. In 2007, I was a church planner, PE teacher, and full-time seminary student. It's also the same year the Holy Spirit would change my life forever. I preached each Sunday about self-control and discipline, yet my life reflected someone who possessed none of those qualities. I became physically ill because of the result of my own choices. However, I refused to visit the doctors, knowing they were only going to confirm what I already knew. I was overweight, inactive, had high blood pressure, and was burning out. When I came down with pink eye, I had to visit the doctor. And so when the nurse called my name and I went back, I was nervous because I knew that they were going to do the same thing they always do and ask me to step on the scale. When I did, I instantly felt conviction by the Holy Spirit. 220, 230, 240, all the way up to 300 pounds. My heart sunk into my chest as the nurse put on more weight. 310, 320, it finally started teetering, and just to add insult to injury, she tapped it over one more pound to 321 pounds. At that moment, my life changed forever. The Holy Spirit woke me up. He allowed me to see that that even though this was a physical problem, I had been ignoring Him spiritually, that I had been ignoring my family and myself. And if nothing changed, I was going to die at a young age. It was at that moment that everything changed. And over the next nine months, my family's way of life would be radically transformed. We had to reevaluate everything, our diets, our time management, our budgeting. Everything had to change. All our priorities had to change. And between February 21st, 2007 and November 1st, 121 pounds were gone. You know, the healthiest part of this journey, though, it wasn't the physical transformation. The greatest results have been in my relationships with God and with my family. God taught me that the only true way to successfully navigate through this life was living out my core values. Jesus tells us in Luke 10, 27 that we're to love God with with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and all of our mind. We can't partmentalize things and say this is important and that isn't. See, God wants our whole being. Well, that was pretty awesome. I thought that fit pretty well. But that's an old video. It was 15 years ago. Well, last weekend, Ben ran a series of races with his family. He ran a 5K and a 10K on Friday. Then he ran a half marathon on Saturday with another family member. And then everyone thought he was crazy and wouldn't join him for the marathon that he ran on Sunday. So... Ben has continued to steward his body to the glory of God. And so I said to him in our chat, man, you must feel a thousand percent better when you get up in the morning, is how I put it. And his response, I'm quoting him, he said, at 321 pounds, I'd wake up and my first thought was, not again. 
I'm so grateful that God wanted better for my life and showed me how to experience it. Isn't that awesome? So let's talk basic implementation. How can we imitate Jesus' growth in ours? You already saw this coming. Here is the practical thing. Every single one of us must make and maintain a health and fitness plan. Now, you may never have heard that in church before. (laughs) But this is the implication. Every single one of us must make and maintain a health and fitness plan so that we can live for God in the body that he's gifted to us. You can call it your temple plan if you want. Whatever it takes, but out of love for God and others and yourself, we need to choose to be faithful, to grow in stature with Jesus. Now, this applies to Nellie, who at 93 needs to still consider how she can grow in stature through good eating and proper exercise. Right, Nellie? Yes. (laughs) This applies to busy moms who barely have time to eat or sleep themselves but somehow need to strategize how they can make healthy choices that enable them to be better moms, to experience more joy. Enlist friends, talk about it, figure that out. This applies to aging men. This even applies to toddlers. This applies to people who are struggling with heart conditions, struggling with chronic pain, struggling with long-term illness, mental illness. Tenille, please forgive me, but I'm going to quote Tenille for a moment. She's... In her years of struggling with chronic pain, she knows that movement, as in doing exercise, getting out there, making the hard decisions to be faithful to steward her body made a huge difference as she struggled with daily chronic debilitating pain. There's those of us who've always struggled with self-control. Or maybe our weight. Or maybe addictions to certain things, foods, fatty foods, salt, whatever. Whatever your challenge, the implication is that we need to set a course for ourselves where we are growing in stature with Jesus, where we are looking at Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to follow you, and as a result, I want to be faithful to steward this beautiful body. And for years, you know this, for years I was so shabby at this, and I was not able to serve God as fully because of it. I know that now because our physical health really does matter. With Jesus as our guide, then, what I'm challenging us to do is to develop what I've called our 252 growth plan. Not that creative. It just comes out of the fact that this is in Luke 2:52. I was trying to think of my run yesterday. Oh, but there's 52 weeks in a year. So what can I do with that other two that's hanging out there? Hey, if you've got any creative ideas, please let me know. But for now, it's Luke 2.52 as a framework for our growth. So let me just, we will wrap up soon, and the team's going to come and lead us in one more song. But let me just uh, remind us where we're, where we're going. So wisdom, stature, favor with God, And favor with others. This is the four things that Luke specifically told us Jesus was growing in. Last week we looked at wisdom and what that meant, what the practical implication of that was that we are going to find more ways of being immersed in scripture. That's the key to our growth in wisdom. Okay? 
Well, this week, it's a health and fitness plan. And I don't care how you do it. There is so much information, it's frankly a little overwhelming. But the, the implication is that as a, apprentices of Jesus, we would look and say, how am I growing in wisdom? And how am I engaging in that? I'm, I'm immersing myself in scripture. How am I growing in stature? I've got habits, consistency. I've got a plan. It doesn't need to be crazy. It doesn't need to be much. Uh, you know, we all know the drill. I'm not your, your physical coach, but there's just a number of really key things. You know what's astonishing about it? Just do this. Right? Eat good food. Be patient with yourself. Get good sleep. Start putting in some work. Get active. Walk a lot. Work with somebody's dad. And uh, play with kids. If you just do that, I think you'll be well on your way. And, and so, okay, I'm going to hold myself back here because I could give you another whole talk about habits. But focus on a plan. Focus on habits. And our desire is that we would begin to flesh out kind of a rubric. Like we can start to ask ourselves halfway through the year, how am I growing? And we think, oh, okay, here is my plan to be immersed in scripture. Here is my health and fitness plan. We'll get to these other two after Kids Sunday. But you have a bit of a rubric to think through and pray through as a growing apprentice of Jesus. I challenge you to continue to work on this plan detailing out some simple, consistent habits for this area, this area, and then we'll get to the other two as we develop. And for each of these quadrants, and then I'll wrap up, for each of these quadrants, we want to do three things. We want to pray, pray, we want to plan, and then we want to practice. And I I just challenge you to take all three of these to the Lord. Say, Lord... How, like, what do you want me to do? Like, how should I do this thing? What needs to change in me? What am I struggling with? What shame am I feeling? What helplessness am I feeling? Just bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to grow like you. Help me. Help me grow like you. Help me pursue and be more faithful and and, and steward. Help me to change the way I'm seeing my body and understand it from your wise perspective. Like, pray it. And then begin to plan it. And ask yourself, based on where you are today, not where you need to be in a year, where you are today, what's my next step? I think most of you know that my personal life in the last number of years has been transformed through incredibly tiny steps. And yeah, now I'm doing some stuff that I think's kind of crazy, but it, it didn't happen overnight. It just happened through very, very small steps. So you want to pray and then plan. What are my small steps? And some of you have mastered this. Some of you, this is an area where you're really strong and there's going to be other areas where you're weaker. Great. That's fine. But you pray it, you plan it, and then you start practicing. You just take the next step. You just do it. You work with your, you work with your plan and you realize, well, that was, that was ridiculous. I shouldn't have thought that. What do I need to adjust? Who do I need to enlist help from? What book do I need to read? What wisdom do I need to glean? You do it through practice. We pray it, we plan it, we practice it, and together we'll be growing in the image of Christ. Your 252 growth plan. Was that practical enough for you today? Would you stand with me and pray as the team comes to lead us in a final song? Lord Jesus, 
we look to you, our king, our guide, our master, and we recognize that you, in your resurrected body, are beautiful, (laughs) strong, vital, alive. We look to you and recognize that as you stewarded your body, we must steward ours. And so I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us practically implement your model, (laughs) your uh, example. I pray that we would be growing in wisdom, growing in stature. And I pray that as a community, we would be really thinking implementation. How do we put this into practice for these first two areas in particular? Lead us, Lord, into practical ways we can be more immersed in Scripture, we can make and maintain a health and fitness plan for your glory and our neighbor's good. You are the one who loves us. And all of your challenges to us, all of your disciplines in our lives, all the ways that you are probing and and helping us grow and move are all because you love us. And your desires for us are so often, if not always, greater than our own desires for us. And so we look to you. We look to you. And now as we sing of your reckless love, may it just cover over everything we've said and give us the inspiration we need. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.